You're listening to Comedy Central. My guest tonight is the nation's first Somali-American state legislator. Please welcome Minnesota State Representative Ilhan Omar. Welcome to the show. Thank you. But before we get started, I wanted to take a selfie. Oh, well, let's do this. Let's do this. Ev everyone wants to make sure I do that. This is the millennial generation. <laughs> we got it. Welcome. Thank you very much. Your story is one of the most fascinating I have ever come across. Uh, to be in the position you're in is one that is uh, already unique, but your story is even more unique. You are someone who is uh, all too familiar with being a refugee, you're from Somalia, you're also a Muslim person, you're also a woman. You are everything <laughs> that President Trump seems to be against. And you are in government. Yeah. What's the plan? I am America's hope and the president's nightmare. <laughs> If you don't mind taking a step back, I, I'm, I'm sure people ask you about this a lot, though, but coming from a world where, uh, you know, you, you had to leave Somalia as a young child, you got a chance to travel through to the United States, how hard was it to get into America, seeing as the, the conversation always seems to be, it's too easy to get in, we need to have extreme vetting. What was your vetting process like? Yeah, I mean, when the, the war happened, I was eight, we came uh, to the refugee camp and waited four years for that process to take place for us to relocate here to the US. Right. Um, our vetting process, from what I remember at the age of 12, uh, is that it, it included my family um, filling out applications, having multiple interview process, right. um, taking a lot of like medical tests, um, to see if we were healthy enough to be relocated to the United States. Uh, and it took, you know, um, four, nearly four years uh, for that process to be completed. Uh, and then once we came to the U.S., it took very long time for us to become legal uh, and, and to be able to become citizens uh, and, and, and to be seen as people who had a right to be here. You obviously cannot predict another world or a different timeline or a different future you may have had, but were you not able to get into the United States, what do you think your family's life would have been if you were stuck in Somalia when you would have been? I mean, I got a glimpse of that. Um, I went back in 2011. Uh, there was a huge famine that was happening in, um, in Somalia, and there's a, a big refugee camp called the Dab. Um, not the one that I was in, but another one. Right. And uh, I went back to help aid uh, the people that were struggling. And I remember meeting uh, a young woman that was a friend of mine that I was in the refugee camp with. When my family relocated here and the camp closed, wow. her family went to another camp and she couldn't get here. And I remember meeting her and her saying to me, you have to enjoy and be proud and understand the privileges that you have because I have, I have not been able to get an education. I was, you know, um, 
I had to deliver my children here and their life is not going to be much different than the life that I had. Uh, and so I came back sort of uh, having the survivor's guilt in, right. in realizing that I had to do more. I had to give voice to those that we left behind. And I, and I had to fight for uh, a better life here in the U.S. for those that made it here. When you take criticism from people who make the assertion saying, you are not an American. You are trying to bring to America something that is not of America. You're bringing different cultures. You're trying to bring in a different religion. Why are you in a power of, uh, position of power now? How, how do you respond to that criticism? I mean, I think that people forget that that's kind of what uh, the Native Americans, the indigenous people of this land felt like when most of the people that don't want me in this country were coming to this country and feeling you know, proud enough to make America their country. Right. And so, you know, we, we say this is a land of, of immigrants when, and we forget that this was a land that belonged to people. Right. Uh, and, and those of us who are new immigrants and those of us who come from generations um, of, of immigrants have to realize that we don't, we're not that much different from one another. This country gave us hope. This country allowed for us to develop our own identity and to create our own home. Uh, and we shouldn't look down on the next person that's trying to do that. That's not what I'm the, the story that, that shocked me, I, well, I guess the, the, the stat that did was that Minnesota has the largest Somali community outside of Somalia. And in the race that you ran, I think it was in the primaries, you had to go up against uh, someone who was a 44-year incumbent and a Somali man, which was very difficult because a lot of people in, in the Somali community look at the man as the leader. A woman has her place. Mm -hmm. This is something that's common in Africa. Many people have experienced it. When overcoming that challenge, how do you or what, what tool did you use to communicate with people? How did you get people to see you as somebody who could be in a leadership position? Yeah, I mean, oftentimes people would say, you know, you should let your brother have it. And I would say, I think I could do a better job than my brother. <laughs> Maybe you should let me have it. And I think, you know, um, there, there's, there's a lot of focus when, when one runs for office uh, on, on their identity, whether it is their, their gender identity, whether it is their race um, or a religion. Uh, for me, it was really important to, to have conversations with people so that we can suspend these particular identities um, that were unique to me and, 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 and unique to a lot of other people and, and focus on the common issues that um, were pervasive in, in our area and figure out solutions together so that people can hear what I had to offer and the platform that I had and what I could deliver for them. When, when you look at Minnesota now, and you look at the issues that face it, every area is unique. You're not in a position where you obviously don't just represent uh, who people may think you represent, but rather everyone that you, that you represent, which is me saying represent a lot. <laughs> but, um, but you're not in a position to, to, to change many people's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think some of the greatest challenges lie ahead of you as a representative? You, say you, you are saying representative a lot. I am. <laughs> I think it's because they were like, remember to say representative. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll say representative. I'm sponsored by the representative company. <laughs> representative. 
perfect. Um, no, I think a lot of a lot of the challenges that that I have as as a freshman um, representative. It's contagious. But carry on. Is is that uh, there there we're in um, the minority, uh, and as a minority in the minority, there is a lot of challenges in getting some things done. Right. Uh, but what I know as as a as someone who has overcome a lot of obstacles and have always worked with people that um, are not often people that you would assume would be my allies. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have particular training making sure that, that things can get done. Uh, and so I've been able to have a very successful first session uh, in, in working with people across the aisle and, and found myself, you know, really uh, at the table um, in, in, in leadership circles, in, in, in committees, um, you know, forming the, the solution for, for our state and, and tackling a lot of the challenges that uh, we have in, in having a budget um, that takes care of all of Minnesota and, and leads to a prosperous and equitable Minnesota. If you were to have the opportunity to speak to or work with President Trump, A, would you, and B, what would you say or try to do? Actually, uh, I invited President Trump twice now to come and, and meet my family and my community because he seems to have a lot of opinions about the kind of people that we are. Right. And we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. We should at least give people the opportunity to get to know them. And so my um, grandfather and father uh, always said that you should invite your enemy to your home and make them a friend. And so... So I, I wanted to give the president an opportunity to make amends with our community and at, <laughs> least, and at least to come and have our famous Somali tea. You know, that's the least he can do. He represents us now as well. All right, there it is. President Trump, have some Somali tea. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show. But, but The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.